Amen, yes. We're at a time, because of the time and eight period that we're in, where it is so important that we learn how to stay focused on what God, who, on, on Jesus and on what He's telling us to do. There are so many distractions out there. There are natural distractions, just the issues of your life. But there are spiritual distractions. I've just felt the enemy coming against me more and more and more. But I was telling the Lord this morning, I said, I almost rejoice in them because every time He does it, it forces me to focus in more clearly. And the more I do that, the stronger my focus comes. So don't be afraid of the opposition. Don't be afraid of the times we're living in. It's an amazing time to learn to focus. And the Holy Spirit is in you to help you to do that. And so as we begin this year together, as we, 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 we had a wonderful time on, uh, on New Year's Eve here with a great a good turnout. We had time of fellowship and of prayer and then a time of coming together. And I really felt the Lord speak to me as we shared the Lord's table together at the end. That why that is so important, because we are, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, because because we're going to go through some things this year. Not a bad confession; it's the reality. There are things we're going to go through this year personally, and we may go through together as a congregation. And it's important that we stay focused when we go through these, because whatever it is, God knows ahead of time. He's already prepared a way through us, and we need to know how to follow Him through the challenges that will come against us. And those challenges, if we'll follow Him, it will bring us to a clearing. That's the, I'm seeing this in the Spirit. He'll bring us to a clearing where I can see the sun shining in this clearing. I can feel peace in this clearing. I can sense victory in this clearing. But between here and that clearing, there are some things we'll go through. And in order to go through them, we have to stay focused. We, know, we need to be careful who we're listening to and what we're listening to. There are many voices out there. Many voices out there. Paul said that, but it's so much more now true. There are many things available to listen to. And, 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 and some of them may be off, some of them may be right on, but they are not what you need to be listening to because of where God's calling you. Of where God's calling you, where God's calling us together. And, and well, I've got to get into the message because this is really what it's about. Father, we thank you today for your faithfulness to us. Lord, I just... <laughs> whatever the enemy tries, it just strengthens us. I'm beginning to understand what the Apostle Paul said, Lord, when he said, I glory in tribulation because I know that tribulation produces patience, endurance, and endurance produces steadfast, proven character, and that produces a steadfast, confident hope. And Father, I come to you today with hope and confidence in my heart, not at all in myself, not in all in all of us, but our confidence is in you. Your hand is upon this church. Your calling is upon this church. It's never changed, and I will keep my focus on that no matter what comes and no matter what goes. And I declare that before this body and before you today. And Father, today as we begin to look at your word, I'm asking you to strengthen me physically and strengthen me in my inner man today that I may bring the fullness of what you have put in my heart. I entrust that to you. 
And I pray today, Father, that we may have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to grasp what it is your Spirit is saying to each of us personally and to us together as a body. And for that we give you thanks in advance. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Well, I'm aware that this is my first Sunday preaching in, in 2020, and it's the first Sunday we've had here in 2020. And, you know, pastors like to look for a good message, like a good Christmas Eve message. and a good. But there's a, there's a phrase that's been rolling around in me. Sometimes the message is in me, and I'll look for the title. Sometimes I get the title, and, and then the message, and sometimes it's just a phrase. And the phrase that's been rolling around in me as I look today is turning the page, turning the page. And as I began to meditate upon that, so it's obviously what I've chosen is the title. And, and it, it's, it's, it's significant. So I looked up, you know, I had a pretty good idea, but I, I looked it up, this expression, turn over, turn over a new leaf. Everybody ever hear that before? Turn over a new leaf. And a lot, a lot of times the beginning of the year is when people resolve, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to start exercising. I'm going to start dieting. I'm going to start this New Year's resolutions, which the experts tell us last maybe two weeks, and some of them may not last that long. Some of you may have already broken your New Year's resolution. And there are people that are not here this morning that are breaking it by not coming this morning. <laughs> but you've kept that one. Praise the Lord. So turning over a new leaf, that term comes literally from something we don't do as much anymore, is turning a page in a book. And that's where this idiom, this term comes from. And I began to, to think about that and kind of meditate on that. What happens when, you know, nowadays most of the books I read, I read on my tablet because it's just easier to, to carry them with me and, and you can make notes in them and they can transfer to one another. Uh, but I still like the feel of, of, a, of a physical book. And though I, uh, it's, so, but there's something, but even, even the, the, the Kindle that I use, they've got this feature now that when you go to flip it over, it looks like you're turning a page. And so I began to think about what, what is the significance of, of turning a page? Well, when you turn a page, you're, 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 you've read, hopefully you've read so far in the book, and, and so you know what's going on before. And, and if it's a large book, it may be that, that you're having trouble, your memory of what was on in the first five pages isn't as clear as it is on the page you've just finished. But when, you, when, when you're turning the page, the page that you're turning to, you don't know what's on that page. And the pages after that, you don't know what's on that pages. Now, because it's a story, you may have some idea of what's going to happen. They're not going to be just some surprise characters show up. So it's a continuation of a story, but when you turn the page, it's turning to a continuation of that story, and it's unknown to you. And as I was thinking about that, I realized that's very much representative of our lives lived in time. And, 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 and I began to look at it as each year is like a page in the story of your life and the story of my life. And we've just come to the end of page 2019, or whatever it year it is in your life. We've come to the end of that page. And as you look back, you know what's going on in your life before. And the, 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 the more pages you've already turned, the older you are, the harder it may be to remember some things. For some of us, it may be hard to remember what was on the page we just turned. 
but it's very representative of our lives, and, and it's a continuing story. And, and, but as we turn the page to this new year, we don't know what lies on this page. But we do know that what's gone on before is a build-up and a preparation to what's going to follow on this page and on the next page and on the next page, however there may be in the book that's a story of your life and the story of, of this church. So it represents the turning of a page, the turning of a year. And, and, and now, in your life, it's different than a book. Because a book, you can cheat. You can go to the end of the book and find out, especially if it's a mystery. I don't want to go through all that. I want to find out who did it and why they did it. So you can have some degree of control with a book over whether you just put it down or whether you just stop reading it or whether you skip ahead or you... I don't remember what happened, but I can go back and reread it again. I'm just reading a book on Martin Luther's life, and I had started reading some other things in between, and I picked it up again the other night when I was in bed. And you know, I'd go back and remember some things because I didn't remember all the all the details. Tony Cook had sent me a a, a funny story out of uh, an event earlier in his life, and I knew it came from this book, so I went back and looked it up to make sure that it was indeed from this book, and it was. And so I had to re- refresh my recollection. You can't do that with your life. And you can't decide just to... Well, we'll talk about that a little later on. So there are some differences, but there are some similarities because uh, although you, you cannot stop turning the page of your life, you couldn't stop this becoming 2020. But you can control how well you read this page this year. You can control what you get out of the events of this year. You can control what you get out of what God's doing in your life because God is offering you opportunities this year as He's offering all of us and you and I choose how much we get out of that. I've read books where I get kind of bored reading them but I want to finish it so I just start reading through it and I'm just reading it to, to read it. Some of you may have gone through school that way. I just want to say that I finished my... I read through it. Some of you read your Bible that way. Well, i got to read five pages today. One, two, two, three, four, five. And you have no idea what you... But you read your Bible today. And you... But, but we have the choice of whether we go through life this year that way. Whether we just turn the page and just read down through... 2020, so we come to 2021 and say, well, I made it through 2020. But what did God have for you in the page of this year? What understanding, what growth, what revelation, what, what maturity, what did God have for you that He's already written out onto the, your page of 220 and you didn't get it because you didn't have the right attitude? You weren't prepared to read through this. One of the things we'll be talking about this year, I believe, because it's one of the things God's been doing with me. I've been, I've been awake since 2 o'clock this morning. Not upset. I've just been awake. I woke up, and I didn't want to wake Anita up, so I'm lying there, and I just, God's been dealing with me, not been dealing with me, God's been having me meditate whenever my mind doesn't have something else to do. So I'm awake at 2 in the morning, and I often listen to something, but that's to put me back to sleep. So I just started meditating on like four scriptures for four hours. Yeah, wow. 
And the more I did it, the more I got out of it. And it's like, the Lord was showing me this morning, it's like, you know, I like, the, I like grapefruit. And so sometimes I'll eat the grapefruit quickly and I'll just throw the, 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 the rind away. But I've learned you can take it and you can squeeze that good grapefruit juice. And I want to squeeze, I'll squeeze it on both sides. I want to get every bit of juice that's in the rest of that grapefruit out of it so I can drink it. And that's what meditation's like. Meditation is when you take the word that you may have just read through and instead of just reading it through it, you take it and you're squeezing it out. You're getting everything out of it you can. And, and see, there's no other book you can do that with. Because every other book is, is a book that complains, it contains a story or information. This is a living word. Jesus said these words are spirit and they are life. I may never get to the message. These words are spirit and they are life. And you have living in you the author of this book who wants to take these spirit and life words and to, and to breathe them into your heart, not your mind, into your heart. We're going to talk about that this year. We're going to do a series on gardening your heart. And this is what God's been teaching me. Guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flow the issues of life. Most of us have no idea what's in our heart. But there's someone out there that wants to sow things into your heart. And you've got the Spirit of God who is in your heart who wants to sow things into your heart. And whatever you sow in your heart will produce fruit in your life. So that's what I did for those. It was not five, four hours. It was three hours. It was at five I finally went to sleep, I think. I don't know whether I was asleep or not. But my point is, meditating on these just a few scriptures, they're becoming alive in me and they're digging a depth down into me and they're doing things in my life that I've never quite experienced before. Why did it get off on that? Where was I? What? Let's vote on it. I'm telling you, I've been awake since 2 o'clock this morning. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. All right, that's good. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah, squeezing and meditating. That was good. You're all listening. This is quiz time. Okay. I will get back to my notes. Oh, what you get out of the page this year. And we, we read our Bibles in the morning, and there's so much more to get out of it. And we just, we're content to read it and get maybe, and maybe if we're really spiritual, we get a goosebump or two. Or we feel better. Oh, I read my word and it lifted me up. But this is God's love letter to you. This is God breathed. God wants to give you visions and dreams. God knows everything you're ever going to need to know. God knows everything that's going to happen to you this year. And God wants to prepare you. God wants to do things in our lives. And we just brush over because we're not aware of it. And there's an enemy out there to distract us to make sure we don't. So for so many Christians, it's a battle just to read a few verses every day. It's not a battle to eat every day, but that's because we know how important. Not a battle to breathe every day, because we know what happens if we stop it. But these are eternal breath. This is an eternal food. And so 2020 
We need to be prepared as we turn the page. How do we get out of this year? How do we get out of what is written in this year? All that God has for us. So we're going to talk this morning in being prepared as we turn the page. We must prepare for the transition into a new year or we become distracted either by the past or by the future that is to come. So we're going to look back. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 and we'll look briefly back at where we've been coming from. Philippians chapter 3. So powerful. This is Paul's testimony. We're going to pick up in verse 7. That's chapter 2. Oh, here we go. But what things were gained to me, these things I counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I count all things for loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, of knowing Christ Jesus. What this literally says in the Greek... The word excellence is for the far surpassing value. It means to have something in excess. Excellent, the word excellence doesn't quite do it. Because this is talking about the value of knowing Christ Jesus. And the word know there is a word of intimate knowledge. It's not know about. It's to have a personal, living, vital relationship with Him. And Paul is saying here, I count all things lost for the value of knowing Him that's so far exceeding whatever I gave up that I don't even consider it. This is what we ended up talking about towards the end of last year, as the end of page 2019. For whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 9. And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Keep going. That I might know Him. So here it is again. Remember what we've been talking about. This is, we're going to do a new series, but the message is still the same. Jesus has called every believer. He has called every one of us to do one simple thing, And everything God has for you comes out of your answering that one simple thing. And that one simple thing is for each one of us, Jesus says, you, Gary, come follow me. You, Tim, come follow me. Patricia, you come follow me. You, come follow me. Come follow me. Follow me. Not join my church. Not join a movement. Not become born again. Not get into heaven. You come follow me. It's an invitation into a living day in, day out, 24 hours a day, walking, living relationship with Him. And if we'll follow Him, He will get you where He wants to get you. He will bring you through what you need to get through. And everything that comes against you in your life is designed by your enemy to distract you and pull you away simply from following Him. Good things can pull you away from following. Success can pull you away from following Him. And failure can actually drive you closer to Him. It's what you do. It's do you keep your eyes on Him. I've had three things come against me this morning to pull my eyes off of Him. But because I've gone through this so many times, I know what to do when that happens. My emotions may react, but I'm centered enough inside to know what to go back to. 
I've taken my eyes off of Him. Whenever I react to something, my eyes are... Because is He at peace? Then I'll be at peace. Is He secure? Then I'll be secure. Is He content? Then I'll be content. And when we lose our contentment, when we lose our peace, when we get upset and we react because we've stopped... Our eyes are off of Him and their eyes are off of Him so that you'll stop following Him. And you can do wonderful things for the kingdom of God and not follow Him. But in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks about that. Many of you will say to me in that day, I did wonderful things for you. I prophesied, cast out demons, and say, depart from me. I never knew you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't follow me? Me. He told His disciples right before He left in John 14, I am the way. Because Philip had said, Lord, you're talking about going somewhere and that we know, but how do we know how to get there when we, how do we know the way? How do we know the destination? How do we know, back up, John. How do we know how to get there when we don't know what the destination is? And Jesus smiled and said, Don't you understand? I'm the destination. If you find me, you found the destination. That's why I love the way into my worship. How I love Jesus. How I love Jesus. How I love Jesus. And Paul's, this is, see, we're, we're, we're looking into the testimony of man who's been through this. Who's been through stuff you and I, I hope, will never have to deal with. And what kept him centered. What kept him from getting off course. What kept him to come to the end of his life having almost... Well, the whole of Asia turned away from him. All the work he did in Asia, his first missionary trip, the tr- he said, they all turned away from me. But you don't hear a man at the end of his life bemoaning it, saying, I gave up everything for nothing. Because he didn't give it up to build churches. He didn't pay the price to accomplish great things. Put the verse back up again. Jesus did it. Now go back to... Verse 11, verse 9. Not having righteous, that through, through faith in Christ Jesus... Yeah, go on to verse 10, I'm sorry. Verse 11. Now, I've got ahead. Go back to verse... This is what happens when I don't read it myself. Verse 8. Verse eight I count all things lost for the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus. Literally, it says, for their surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. He counted all things for loss. Whatever happened to him, it didn't faze him because he gave up whatever he had. He gave up whatever value he had in his life. He gave up everything that gave him any meaning or value for one thing, and that was for the far surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. And I, and I, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. All right, now verse 9. I'll get stuck here if we don't keep going. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God by faith. Verse 10. That I may know him. There's three things here. That I may know Him. Not know about Him. Not believe in Him. That I may know Him. 
And I asked you the question which God was asking me at the beginning of the series I did last year. How well do you know Him? How well do you know Jesus? Not know about Him, not how many scriptures do you have, not what, how much theology do you know. How well do you know Him? As you came to the end of 2019, did you know Him better than you knew Him a year earlier? Then why aren't we growing in our personal knowledge of Him? Because that's really all that matters. that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Well, I believe that's talking ultimately about the resurrection from the dead because you'll talk about that in a few minutes. But there's a power to the resurrection that He's talking about in our life right now. Power of the resurrected life that's living in you right now. I've shared this with you several times over the last year to realize that one, if you're a Christian, one-third of you is God. First of all, if you're a Christian, your spirit is born of God. That's the part of you that is the child of God. But you've got God's spirit living inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, Romans 8, 11. He will quicken your mortal body. I'm counting on that today. <laughs> and I feel quickened. I feel wide awake. I feel alert. I don't know what will happen when I leave here, but right now all the juices are flowing and it's not my body, it's the Spirit of the living God holding me up on the inside because He is Spirit and He is life. So Paul says, I traded this that I might not know just the resurrection. I want to know the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. We talked about that last year. We talked about to, to taking up our cross. It's because of our identification with Him that we may be conformed to His death. That's the denial of self. It's denying my right to live separately from Him. Not to deny your existence. But if you're in Christ, you have no separate existence apart from Christ. And the struggle is we're trying to still live out here on our own when you're in Christ. And Satan's out there to try to keep you focused on your life, your rights. It's the very thing he brought into the garden in the very beginning. So to deny yourself is to deny your right to relate to the world, to one another, and even to God the Father. We talked about this last year, as if I were separate from Him. That's the death he's talking about there. Okay. Paul's goal was to attain... Let's keep going here. Verse 11. If by any means I may attain to or arrive at the resurrection from the dead. Now again, that's ultimately talking about the final resurrection from the dead. But I believe he's talking about something else. He's talking about this resurrection life that is within us. And we've touched on this last year. In John chapter 10, verse 10, we're not going to put it up there. You know the verse. Jesus said, the thief comes but not but to steal, kill, or destroy. But I have come. And He's come. 
The thief may come, but we talk too much about what the devil's doing. Let's talk about what Jesus came and did. I've come that you might have life. And that life more abundantly. And the word for life there is the Greek word zoe, which means life at the level God lives it. The life of God is in you right now, if you're in Christ. God's, God's life. Do, do you think God's bored? Do you think God's discouraged? Do you think God has a blue Monday? Some of you may be going back to work for the first time tomorrow. Do you think God has a, do you think God has a difficult day? That's the life that's in you. But we're so carnal. We're just mere men and women. No, you're not. If you think you're just a mere man, you're just human, you need to get saved. Or you need to mature. If you just want your hand held and you want to come through this year having somebody make you feel better, you're in the wrong place. I'm serious. Because I've got to stand before God with whether or not I helped you and me. I'm not ever going to say anything to you I'm not going through or in the process of. But I've got to stand before God with what I fed you with. And if all I feed you is something to make you feel good and feel better about yourself, you're not going to grow. And I'll have to give an account. I don't have to give an account for whether you like me. I've got, you've got to give an account for whether you love me. Just like I've got to give an account for whether I love you. I've got more of you to love than you've got to love me. <laughs> I never thought of that before. Ephesians 3.19 in Paul's prayer I love this prayer I pray this regularly over me my family over you Paul's prayer was that we be filled that we would come to know together with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that passes understanding so that we might be filled up together with all the presence of God all the fullness of God think about meditate on that I want people to say about he's full of it full of Him meditate on that God Paul's prayer was that you be filled with all of the fullness of God you guys out there? I don't care what you're going to face this year. What you're, gonna, you're filled with the fullness of God. We need to learn how to tap into and allow that fullness to begin to flow in our lives. When you do that, the circumstances will be afraid of you. We're, we're praying and trying to believe God for stuff to come down on us. It's already in you. just have to believe it and act on it. That's a review of last year. <laughs> Today we're going to turn the page. 
we're going to begin to step into what God has for us this year as we learn how to follow Him. But to do this, we've got to have the right attitude. Or we'll get caught in one of two traps. We'll either get caught up in what's happened, the past, or we'll get caught up in anticipating the future. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear His voice. God is a God of today. He knows tomorrow. He's already in tomorrow, but He wants us to live today. Did you ever try to go up the stairs so fast you tripped up the stairs? That's because you weren't taking one step at a time. And so we need to walk through this year one step, follow Him one step at a time. And so we can be distracted by living still in the past. And it can be the good or the bad. We can be living in our victories from last year, saying, wow, God did this for me and did this and I grew in this way and I this and all that. And you can, those are fine. This is why you turn the page. You remember what happened, but this is a new year. This is a new day. Or you can be caught up in fear and anticipation of what's going to happen. And if you look too much at the media, that is what you're sowing into your heart, that you'll look forward to this year with great fear. I mean, we got all kinds of international things going on, more and more and more and more and more and more and more. But you and I are members of a kingdom. You and I are members of a kingdom. This earth, this world is not our home. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. So let's look at Paul's, how Paul turned the page. Verse 12 now. Not that we've, this is our perspective going forward. Not that we've already attained, this is Paul writing this, or I'm already perfected. This is Paul's testimony. Paul's saying, I haven't arrived at this yet. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel better. Because Paul is one of, you know, I've got Jesus, whoa, and then I've got Paul somewhere near him. All right? Peter's up there somewhere. Paul is one of my heroes. And it's just, after I see Jesus, I want to meet, I want to meet Paul. Because we think alike, except he's way far ahead of me. And, and Paul's saying, but I haven't attained to this yet. Nor am I perfected. But here's what I do. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. So the first thing we see is Paul recognizes he hasn't arrived yet. Now, I doubt that there are many of you in this room right now that think you've arrived yet. There may be some, all right? Then you're ahead of Paul. The only one who walked on this earth that arrived yet was Jesus. So if you think you've arrived yet, you're in trouble. But more of us deal with this issue is we get discouraged because we haven't arrived yet. We measure where we are by where we think we are. And let me share with you the subtle trick in that. Because when you're trying to figure out where you are, who are you looking at? Who are we supposed to be looking at? Jesus. And remember, anything Satan can do to get your eyes off of Jesus and on you, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, not you. You're not the author of your faith, and you're not the finisher of your faith. You have a role to play, but He's the author of it, and He's the finisher of it. So we need to understand that, 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 that you, have, you're, you have not arrived yet. So don't allow yourself to be discouraged about your faith. I have 
I'll get up in the morning, I have a routine that I go through, I set myself in terms of following Him every day, almost every day. And I'll come to the end of the day, and there's some days I didn't think about Him all day. And I've learned I could be discouraged about that. Here, here I am, I'm a pastor, I'm this age, I've been li- following for 41 years, you know, and I'm still... Blah, 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 blah. But that's all focused on me to become discouraged. Hebrews 12 gives us a good insight into how to handle growth. Can you put Hebrews 12 up there? Verses 5 and 6. All right, I'll read it to you. There you go. Having forgotten the exhortation that speaks to his sons. So he's talking about how a father corrects his sons. My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't get afraid of the word chastening. It means discipline, training. Don't despise the training or discipline of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by Him. So contained in these, because the, the writer of Hebrews has just spent 11 chapters correcting the Hebrew believers. And now he's going to talk to them in this chapter about how to receive the correction. And what we're talking about is God is working in our lives. He's correcting us. He's challenging us. He's causing us. He's challenging us to grow. And that's a form of correction. And the writer here shows two ways to not respond to correction. These are the wrong, these are the mistakes. Number one, to despise the correction. And despising it means just rejecting it. Well, that doesn't apply to me. That applies to you and you and you and you and you. But it, I, I don't need that. She needs it. Oh, you know, we're listening. Boy, does she need to hear this? Or boy, does he need to? Th- God, I hope they're hearing this. That's almost always because we don't want to let it get into us. Or we can just despise it by rejecting it. The Lord's had to deal with me about ways He's tried to 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 challenge me by certain ministers that I don't want to listen to. I may be jealous of them. I may just not like the way they look. And none of those are spiritual reasons for anything. And so they become obstacles that keep me from hearing something God wants me to hear through that person. So that was, that's a despising of the correction. You're not the only one that does that. And here's one way. Nor, here's the other way. Be discouraged when you're rebuked. The word discouraged means faint. Chris, our oldest son, when he was a teenager, wanted a dog. Our dog had been run over by a, tr- a car, our little dog. And he wanted a dog. So he wanted a, man, a manly dog. So we, we got him a German Shepherd. <laughs> and he named him King. Well, you can name him anything you want. <laughs> but this dog, <laughs> it was totally out of control. So I, we, we, I, brought, I bought a, brought, I, we hired a, a dog trainer to come with us, to work with us. And, and he would, the dog trainer would tell me, first of all, he says, now you tell King to sit. And I would say, King, sit. And he wouldn't do it, so you discipline him to sit. And the moment you'd correct him to sit there, he would just collapse into you. Just fall apart. Like, oh, that's the most difficult thing you've ever asked me to do. Oh, oh. And he said, he's controlling you. He's trying to convince you he can't do this. He's fainting. And that's what we do 
when we respond to God's correction by getting discouraged, oh, I'll never get there. I can't do it. I'm the worst pastor. I'm the worst this. I'll never make it. Oh, I've failed you again. That's fainting. So we don't have to change. Oswald Chambers has this amazing statement about discouragement. So again, if you want me to pat your hand and make you feel better about being discouraged, put your fingers in your ears. Of course, everybody's going to know you don't want to hear it. <laughs> Oswald Chambers wrote this. It really has impacted me. I should have had him put it up there. I didn't give it to him. Discouragement is disenchanted self-love. Ouch! I'm going to break that down. Discouragement, that's what we're talking about. I can't do it. I'll never make it. You know. But God's living in you. That's why we don't have that excuse. But I'll never make it. I can't do this. It's too hard. I failed again. That is disenchanted self-love. Self-love is me focused on me. And when I'm discouraged, I'm, dis- I'm disappointed in myself. And that is a form of self love. And that will lead to self-pity, which is demonic. Because self-pity is a worship of yourself instead of worshiping the God who made you and redeemed you and who's living inside of you to help you overcome whatever it is you're discouraged about. Now, are we human? Do we have emotions? Yes, but it's what you do with those emotions. It's deciding I'm going to give in to the emotions because I'm only human, and what we're doing is it's an excuse to not change. Because if God said I can do something, I'm telling God He's wrong. I'm telling you, if you want to grow, this is what we've got to be one of the... I'm telling you what God's been telling me. So you better pray for me, because if I don't get this straight, you won't. You're going to keep hearing it. (laughs) Do I ever fall down into those? Yes. But when something awakens me, and she's usually sitting right over there, something awakens me to where I am, I don't want to do that. When I realize, but but it feels so good to our flesh. Oh so hard. You don't know. They don't understand me. You don't know how much things I'm dealing with. Oh, you don't know. You don't know. No, but God does. But you don't know who's in you. You don't know that you're more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You don't know what God's Word says about you. And we've got to decide, am I going to live my life based on how I feel or what God's Word says? So what does Paul do? Verse 12 still. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Now brethren, I don't count myself as apprehended or arriving at it yet, but one thing I do, Paul was focused. One thing I do, now it looks like it's got two parts to it. One thing I do, but there's two sides to it. Just like there's two sides to a quarter and a dime. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are on the pages behind. 
forgetting those things which... And Paul had some things to forget. Forgetting those things which are behind. That can refer to your old life. That can refer to mistakes you've made. But it can also refer to good things. There's an old expression. When they build a car, they make the front windshield a whole lot bigger than the rearview mirror. I thought that was profound. (laughs) Because your focus needs to be on what's ahead of you. You need to be aware of what's behind you. But if you're driving based on the rearview mirror, you're going to have an accident. And some of us are living life in the rearview mirror. Your successes, where you've grown this last year, it's last year. We've turned a page. And those successes, if you, it's, it's a fine to go back and draw on them. It's fine to go back and learn from the mistakes you've made. It's fine, but to, but to, it's what I'm ta- he's talking about there is, he said, I don't hold on to it. You can't turn the page if you don't let go of it. You can't go on if you don't let go of the past. You can learn from the past. The Bible talks about in in a lot of the Psalms is going back over and reciting the things that God has done in our life. That's perfectly proper. That's what we're supposed to do. But you've got to let go of it in order to go on with what God has for you in 2020. And Paul's goal... I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Think of that. Jesus, out of eternity, reached down, or God did through Jesus, and reached out and laid hold of you for a purpose. Every one of you, there's no exceptions. It's not just somebody in full-time ministry. He's laid hold of you. You didn't lay hold of Him. We usually, well, I found Christ. You did not find Jesus. You were lost. He found you. He didn't just stumble on you. He, you were planned before the foundation of the world, and at the right time, He reached down and He laid hold of you. Now, in Paul's case, it was very dramatic. He was on the road to Damascus. And Jesus appeared to him out of, in, out of a bright light and spoke to him. He literally laid hold of Paul, but he laid hold of you just as much. Now the question is, are you going to accomplish what he laid hold of you for? Or are we going to stand before him and we're going to look at him and he said, John, I laid hold of you for these things. What did you do? I'm learning to, to evaluate the little decisions I make. Are this decision I'm going to make, is this going to help me for that day? Or is this not? I was watching a biography of John Wesley the other night. And it talks about how he went this same process. And he was an itinerant preacher in England and he would ride horseback. He rode over 240,000 miles to preach. That's ten times around the circumference of the earth. But he didn't just sit on the horse. He was reading 
the whole time he's on the horse walking along because he didn't want to waste the time and he wasn't reading Cosmopolitan. He wasn't watching CNN on his iPad. He was reading the Word of God. He was building into his spirit the food that was going to strengthen him. He lived a life that was focused on this one purpose and that's what Paul is and that's what consecration is. It's learning to live our life for that purpose. And that makes the basis of every decision that we make. And God's calling us to do that. I've got to move on. Verse 13, Brethren, I don't count myself as apprehending it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which lie behind, I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So powerful. So powerful. So powerful. Paul's focus was on not of letting go of the things of the past. Our past can hinder our progress when we hold on to it. A verse I want to give you is Lamentations 3, verses 21 and 22. We've well-known song out of that. This I recall to mind so that I may have hope. Though the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because His compassions, His mercies fail not. Great is his, goes on to say, great is His faithfulness. The word mercies there is the Hebrew word chesed which is a very rich word that's referring to His covenant, loving commitment to you that will never fail. The song is, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to the end. Great is His faithfulness. Great is His faithfulness. Great is His faithfulness. Okay. The second part of this is reaching forward. It's the image of an Olympic racer, not in a car, but running. If you notice in the Olympics, when they get near the finish line, they stretch out like this. Because many races have won literally by a racer stretching out. I've seen a video of, a, of, a, of somebody in a 100-yard dash, or maybe it's a 100-meter dash, and he's just near the end, he's ahead, and he turns to look to see where his competitor is. That's a fatal mistake. They teach you not to do that. And when he did... The guy on his left passed him. He took his eyes off of the finish line. I press. I press. I press. I press. The word press implies there's opposition. So as we go through 2020, there will be things to try to slow you down, oppose you, distract you. We have to decide it's intentional. Pressing doesn't happen by accident. It happens because you've determined to press through whatever the obstacles are because you want to reach that goal, attain that goal. I press on. Forgetting what lies behind, I press on. Verse 14. To the goal, this is his goal, of the prize. So there's a prize here. This is well worth pressing through. This is well worth putting aside discouragement. This is well worth doing whatever it takes to press through. We're going to talk about what that is in a minute. It's well worth it because at the other end, there's a prize for you. I press on towards the goal 
of the prize of the upward call of God that's in Christ, a call of God that's in Christ Jesus. Notice the call is an upward call. God is calling us in 2020 on a journey that's up. Now that implies several things. When you're climbing up something, you're fighting against gravity because gravity's pulling down. So that if you stop pressing in an upward climb and you begin to coast, gravity is going to pull you backwards and down. So we're talking about we have to be intentional in 2020 and intentional to press through. And this is where we need each other. Because there are going to be times when you or I or many of us will be discouraged and we will be tempted to give up and we need someone alongside of us will say, get up, get going. It may be that we need a swift kick in the seat of the pants or we may need an arm around us to encourage us. Sometimes it's one or the other we may need, but we need one another to help us get through together. Because unlike an Olympic race, you and I are not in competition with each other. The goal is for all of us to finish with joy. All of us to reach the upward call of God that's in Christ Jesus. I've got to move on. Verse 17, 16, 15 says, Therefore as many of us as are mature... Yeah, that's it. Verse 15. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, that if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal this to you. So God is at work in us to show us these things. I've told you before. Philippians, back in verse well, chapter 1, God is at work to, to work in you both the will and to do His good pleasure. All right, verse 16. Nevertheless, to the degree that you've already attained, let us walk by that same rule. In other words, don't go backwards. Don't say, well, I, I've done this. Because sometimes people say, well, I've done this before. I've learned this. If I say I've heard this before or I've done this before, I didn't really hear it and I haven't really done it. Because when it comes to the things of God, they're living. They always are speaking to me. Let us walk by the same rule, be in the same mind. Verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example. So we need examples in our life. This is what we do in Connect Group. We're going to do other things to give you examples, people you can relate to who are maybe a little further along on this journey than you are, and keep your eyes on them. The people that you hang out with, do you want to go where they're going? Because you're going to end up, we do things by association. If you're hanging out with people that are less mature than you are, it'll pull your maturity level down. But they're old friends. Do you want to finish your race or do you want to get off track? Paul had to leave friendships behind. He had to leave relationships behind. If you want to finish, if you want to come at the end of 2020 and turn the page, we may have to make some tough decisions. What are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? Are they people that are going to be an example to you 
to grow in your faith? Are they going to be people that are an example to you to grow in your walk of love? Are they going to be people an example to you to grow closer to the Lord? Are they closer to the Lord than you are? Because that's what will draw you when you are around people that are on fire for Him. That fire is contagious. My job is to catch on fire and then have it spread to you. What does this mean for us? Well, this week we turned a page in the story of our journey of answering His call. By the way, these notes, again, they're posted online. Some of you may choose to put the book down. I don't want to do this. And quit the journey. Some of us may choose to hold on to the old pages and not really turn it. But either way, it will keep you from proceeding. And my prayer is that we will all choose to go together, join me and come together and turning the page into what God has for us this year. And there's some things we're coming up with to help us do that, practical things that we can do together. Philippians chapter 3, let's go to verse 18. So how do we do this? What do we keep our eyes on? For many walk of whom I've often told you and tell you even now weeping that they're enemies of the cross of Christ Jesus. These are people that got distracted. And we'll look at what some of the things they got. They got distracted. They took their eyes off the prize. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. They got their eyes on sensual, natural, physical things. Whose glory is their shame. Who set their mind on earthly things. If you're so caught up in the news that you're not... We should be so full of the good news that we begin to impact the news. Are you feeding on the news? Are you meditating on all the things that are wrong in your life? Then you've set your mind on earthly things and they did, they got pulled off course. Verse 20. For our citizenship, this is our focus, our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly wait for a Savior. This was Paul's focus. This was his pride. Understand this. Your life here and my life here, the Bible says, is a hand's breath. I've shared with you having to wrestle with the fact of getting older. When I hit 50, it threw me. So when I snuck up on 60, I got ready for that. And when I was headed towards 70, I was, oh Lord, what do I do? I mean, I want to hit it because I don't want to die, but how do I hit this? And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, son, don't see your life in terms of years. See your life in terms of an assignment. So that you will be here until the assignment is over. Because this is not your life. Our citizenship, what you belong to, the country you belong to is in heaven. It's an eternal country. It's an eternal place. We need to live our life with the eyes on eternity. We make decisions every day that affect our eternity. I'm not even talking about whether you go to heaven or not. How faithful you are with what God's called you to do. Do you understand you're going to work in heaven? I've got to work in heaven? You'll have assignments. The Bible talks about being responsible for areas of authority. Paul says, you guys are taking one another to court. Don't you understand that Christians will be exercising authority over areas? So what you do with your faithfulness, with your assignment here, will determine 
how much God can trust you. So we're making decisions of integrity, decisions every day that have an eternal consequence to us and we just blithely turn pages and read down the script and go through it without any understanding that this is an eternal book we're reading, we're living out. And not just us, but the people whom our lives affect and impact. That needs to be our perspective. Remember what the prize is. Those who've not finished, we're okay. Praise the Lord. We need to, we need to pray. So the idea of this today is to begin to have a right perspective as we begin 2020 together and what God is going to do with our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today that you don't leave us as we enter a new year without direction. We thank you, Father, that you are a God who is already going into this year. You already know everything that's going to happen for us personally, everything that's going to happen in the, for this church, for us, against us, in us, through us, everything. You know that ahead of time. You see it. And we don't need to understand all that. We just need to know you. And we need to grow in our faith in you and our confidence in you so that we're not so easily distracted by everything that comes around us to stop trusting you and to trust in everything else but you. So help us this year, Father, to grow in our faith in you. Help us this year to grow in our personal knowledge and relationship with Jesus and through him with you. Help us to learn this year to grow together in our relationship with you. Help us together this year to grow in our unity together, that we come to the end of this year and we're a people of one heart, one mind, and one focus, and it's to do your will and to see your will done in this place, and that you receive all the glory. And Father, we just lay it all before you. We thank you for what you've done before. We thank you for the things you brought us through. We thank you, Father, for all that's underneath us. For we stand today on the shoulders of men and women that have gone before us from Pastor Sam and Donna that laid the foundation of this church. And all and up through leaders and that have stood before us and brought us to this place. We don't want to ever forget them and give honor to them. But we don't want to stay there. We let go of the past so that we may embrace what lies before us. And as we look at it, Lord, it can be scary because we don't know what it means, but we know the one who will go through this year with us. And so, Lord, our eyes are on you. Strengthen us by your Spirit and our inner man that Christ may be able to dwell in us by faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, we may come to know together with all the saints the breadth and length and depth and the height and to know the love of Christ that passes understanding that we may be filled with all of your fullness now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we just ask or thought according to the power that works in us be glory unto you in heaven throughout all generations Amen